Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, hello, guess who's back in town? Well, she's always been in town, but guess who's back? <laughs> On the mic, it's me, Shira, your long-lost friends. <laughs> oh, wow. Who knew Shira would be back? I'm so happy. It's about time. Are you sure? You don't seem like it. Yeah, honestly, I enjoyed not having you here now. <laughs> well, if you, if you notice, there's a bit of difference in our sound. That's because Ryan's in the studio. I'm healthy again. I've gotten over COVID, this, the major symptoms. Define healthy. Uh, but I am still testing positive, which if you've gotten COVID, you know, you could test positive for a few weeks or a few months. Uh, so with that said, I am still working from home. Yeah, and you have like this, I mean, that's why I said define healthy, because you do have a cough still, and um, you're not allowed back in the studio with that cough. Wow. It's true. I'm not doing no, it. No, I appreciate Listen, I appreciate it. I respect that. I'm not going to force myself on anyone. I don't know. Sounds like you were, we're ready to force. <laughs> we're all about consent here. <laughs> and, you know, I'm enjoying myself. I feel like we're like I'm back in time in 2020 when we were working from home. It's kind of strange. Yeah, let's not go back to those times because that was traumatic. <laughs> But, yeah, I'm going through trauma right now, Ryan. Yeah, clearly. Um, well, hopefully we're not talking about trauma in today's show. No, we're not. <laughs> Onwards and upwards. Yeah, we got a cut. We um, coming up this hour. We're talking about those unions um, that are taking over Amazon and Starbucks. We just, I mean, something out of Starbucks. I know that people were fighting for a union for Starbucks, and it actually happened, and it made national yep. news. So we're going to talk about that and how it's really impacting the future of companies. Plus, Jonathan Van Ness is clapping back at J.K. Rowling in the T-Report. I'm going to be giving you that news. But first, let's get into some headlines here. Yes, let's get into some what's trending this hour. LGBTQ plus asylum seekers are finding refuge at a church in Massachusetts that is open to home for those fleeing their home countries due to their sexuality or gender identity. It's called Hadwin Park Congress Congregational Church in Worcester, and they've raised more than $500,000 to buy and redo a three-story former group home that it has made into a haven for queer asylum seekers. What great work, and it is so needed. So we want to give a shout out, almost like an early Yaz Queen, to the Hadwin Park Congregational Church. Love that. Yeah. Now let's move on to the big news today, though. Uh, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki is responding to GOP lawmakers and Fox News hosts who were frantically texting Trump Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. These texts have been revealed during the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Um, and of course, then they continued spreading conspiracy theories after. Here is Jen Psaki. 
Well, it's disappointing and unfortunately not surprising that some of the very same individuals who are willing to warn, condemn, and express horror over what happened on January 6th in private were totally uh, in private were totally silent in public, uh, or even worse, uh, were spreading lies and conspiracy theories and continue to since that time. So disappointing, not surprising. Unfortunately, we've seen a trend from some of the same individuals. Yeah, and we're going to be talking more about that in 15 minutes, but. It's pretty mind blowing to see these texts come out and like the ultimate hypocrisy from all these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and finally, USA Gymnastics, the US Olympic and Paralympic Committee and their insurers agreed to pay $380 million in a settlement with the victims of Larry Nasser, the former Olympic doctor who sexually abused girls for decades. The settlement is part of the USAG's plan to exit bankruptcy as the organization has struggled to recover from the Nasser scandal. So I'm happy that uh, justice is happening there. It's really unfortunate and sad and, and I'm sure traumatic for all the uh, girls and women involved in this, uh, but happy something's finally being done. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Well, before we move on, I want to kind of add something there. I think yeah. it's, it's wild that they just now reached this settlement. It took forever yeah. for them to get here, but yeah, like you said, it is a good that they did get here. But um, yeah, it took it took, took kind of a long time for them to just get to this number and this settlement and, and, and really get something for the victims of this person because it's awful. It's an awful situation. But yeah, yeah. let's dive into the T-Report. Um, J.K. Rowling... Woo! Uh, Queer Eyes' Jonathan Van Ness is um, literally shutting down J.K. Rowling's vulgar tweet that called trans women rapists. Trigger warning, and it is time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So yesterday, um, J.K. Rowling tweeted a link to a story that called police absurd for describing alleged rapists as women if they are trans women, even though trans women are, in fact, women. The article wasn't about any case in particular. It just discussed a change in administrative practices in Scotland for future potential cases involving suspects who are trans women. Now, while Rowling hasn't explained why exactly she believes it's important, readers understood her comments to be mean, either uh, to mean either that she believes that women can't be racist, I mean, rapists, or that transgender women are more likely to be rapists because of their gender identity. And of course, Jonathan Van Ness was not having it. Um, they said the biggest threats of violence against women has always been cisgender men, not trans women, unless JK's constant transphobic cherry-picked vitriol convinces you otherwise. But as trans women are assaulted, deprived of work, killed, and raped, JK is safe in her mansion. Mic drop. And I also have to th- think, like, JK is literally, like, one, saying that I guess she believes that women can't be rapists or sexual assaulters, which is not necessarily true. <laughs> like, it's just... It's weird. It's very, very weird. Yeah. And I just wish she would just stop talking. She just keeps sticking her foot in her mouth. I mean, just yeah. like exit the conversation. She move shouldn't on even be do... in the conversation. No one asked her to be in the conversation. Yeah. Stick move to your on and books. do what I don't even know what you're good at anymore at doing. Yeah, but that's your tea report. But um, we got more show to keep this party going. I have, um, of course, we'll have headlines and tea reports at the top of every hour on the hour. So stick around for that. But coming up next, the text messages that have come out revealing what Fox News hosts were sharing the day of the January 6th Capitol attack. Honey, oh my God, it is damning. Let's get into it coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. 
Now, during Monday night's uh, January 6th committee hearing, it was revealed that Donald Trump Jr., along with Fox News stars, including Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram, begged White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows to get the president to make a national address and stop the Capitol riot. But, of course, we knew that was going to happen. And, and also, it's really interesting because it doesn't really match what they later, start, you know, right? like, were saying about, oh, this wasn't as serious as everyone's making it. Uh-huh. I mean, so joining us for this conversation, Jackie Copel, political commentator. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I hope you guys are doing well. Oh, yeah. I mean, I hope you're doing well. But my thing is, <laughs> let's break this down. Talk to us a little bit more of what's been revealed and and how damning this kind of is, if we think about it. Yeah. I mean, so what's been revealed is a series of text messages that were sent to Mark Meadows, the former president, former chief of staff. Uh, and and they're pretty rough to read, right? They They really show that People at Fox News, you know, uh, Hannity, Laura Ingram, uh, as well as his very own son, Don Jr., recognized how serious an event this was and recognized that something needed to be done to stop it. And they hoped that the, pre- the former president would be the one to do that. Obviously, as we know, he took several hours to do so. Um, and when he did, you know, he talked about the quote unquote stolen election which we know was not stolen, but that's, you know, that's how he felt. And so it was, a lot of people felt a pretty muted, a muted message to his, to his followers and that, that ultimately he was sort of watching the, the riots happen and, and seemed okay with it almost. I mean, I'm not saying he was, I'm just saying yeah. that without taking action, it, it implies uh, a certain sort of uh, acknowledgement. Yeah. Well, I feel like these texts reveal two things, like one, how two-faced a lot of these people are because on uh, in one uh, way they are um, going against the riots and calling them out and wanting Trump to do something about it, and then on the other side of it, they have denied them and they haven't held Trump accountable. So why is this latest reveal so important? Well, because it's for the first time we actually have these messages, right? So it's one thing to say, "Oh, well, you know what's right and wrong," but if someone doesn't acknowledge it. They can sort of say, no, everything, everything was totally cool. I was, I was on board. This really shows that that was not the case, that they were not on board, that they were, you know, some of the language borderline terrified about what this would mean, not just for, you know, the president, but his legacy or the former president, but his legacy. Um, so we're really seeing what happened in real time. It also means that people can't say uh, or it's hard to make the argument that uh, former President Trump didn't know what was happening, right? That was a claim that was mm-hmm. made that at one point he wasn't sure. We know he was very sure. Everyone around him knew what was going on. He obviously did. It's been reported widely that he had TVs on all the time. Um, so, again, it's just more sort of evidence uh, that counters the narrative that the previous uh, administration had put out. Uh, it, it also just doesn't it, it doesn't make anyone look good, quite frankly. Um, as to why someone might uh, text one thing and then say another, well, you have to remember, politics is sometimes about opportunity. I'm not, this is not a question of whether it is right or wrong, but there is a choice that, that these commentators are making, and they're saying, well, I may not have been on board in this instance, but I'm going to use this to my advantage, and if I don't use it, it could hurt my quote-unquote side. So it's a, strategic, it's a strategic play. Whether you agree with it or not, that's what's happening. Um, yeah, and I, I just I feel like it just really can 
continues to reveal how complicit a lot of people are, and I can't wait to find out more. Do you think we'll continue to find out even more damning stuff besides this? Because this just feels like they're taking their time with giving the American people little bits and pieces instead of letting us know, like, what is really going on and what happened that day. Well, that's a strategy unto itself, right? The little drip drip means that it stays in the news. It stays in the, in the consciousness of the country and people don't move on. And to some degree, that's exactly what, what my guess is the committee wants. They don't want people to move on. They want people to yeah. stay sort of horrified and reminded uh, of the events of the riots and you know how close we came to um, you know, something pretty cataclysmic. Well, yeah, during the committee hearing, Representative Adam Schiff also said that investigators have been reviewing text messages that Meadows received from fellow politicians. That will be coming out. It'll be pretty interesting. Yeah. Finally, Jackie, will this lead to anyone being held accountable? Does it lead to, and we have 30 seconds, yeah, yeah. Uh, sure. so Trump quickly, being held um, accountable? Meadows, Meadows faces contempt of Congress. Uh, the question is how strong, if someone is held in contempt, how strong is it? Are they actually going to go to jail? If there are actual ways to hold people accountable and you know people are, are headed to jail, my guess is people will start talking. Well, thank you so much, Jackie Coppell, for joining us. We really appreciate you. Thanks so much for having me. All right. So coming up, the, as unions get approved at companies like Starbucks, how will this change the labor movement moving forward? That is up next. Don't go anywhere. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. But as employees continue to fight to unionize at camp uh, companies like Starbucks and Amazon, we are seeing some movement for the first time in decades. So how could this revolutionize the labor movement? Joining us is John Logan, professor and director of labor and employment studies at San Francisco State University. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Hi, thanks for having me on. I'm glad to be here. No, of course. Okay, so can you break down to us before we get into this conversation why this is such a big deal right now, especially as we're seeing these employees unionize at companies like Starbucks and Amazon? Sure, sure. So unions have been declining in the United States for uh, several decades now. A variety of reasons, but one of the reasons is really hard to form a new union in the U.S. You know, the legal protections are pretty weak, and employers like Amazon, like Starbucks, are really, really resistant to unions. But despite that, what we've seen in the last you know couple of years, especially since the start of the pandemic, is like far more activity. I mean, particularly amongst young people, but you know, all across the board of uh, museum workers, of tech workers, of media workers. And it's not just the usual suspects. And as you say, now we've seen Starbucks workers forming the first unionized store, the only unionized store currently in the U.S. And, you know, a huge and high-profile organizing campaign, Amazon in Alabama, but lots of other, you know, Amazon organizing activity going on. And Starbucks, too, looks like it might be contagious. You know, already uh, last night we heard that uh, two Boston Starbucks had filed for union elections. There's another one in Arizona. There's another three stores in Buffalo. So, I mean, this is what Starbucks, of course, is really, really worried about, that this will be contagious and that other workers will look and say, well, you know, they took a risk and it paid off. You know, they won. They won against one of the biggest, the richest, the most anti-union companies in, you know, on the planet, never mind on the country. And, you know, they did it. So, you know, we can do it too. And so, and it's also getting like fantastic coverage in the media, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, such as this show, but, you know, all across the media, you know, you can't avoid uh, labor news and even stories about unions, Um in the last few months and say probably since the start of the pandemic. And, and that's different. You know, something is going on here that's different uh, from like a year ago, two years ago, 10 years ago. Well, well yeah, like w- what is that? And with these unions um, ending up happening in, at Starbucks, like at a certain point, are these companies going to see the trend and figure out a way to come to peace and to terms with having unions versus fighting them? Right. Well, that's a really good question. And, you know, historically, American employers, and particularly the kind that we have around now, uh, are very reluctant to engage with unions. I mean, they really, really want to maintain sort of unilateral control of the workplace. And this isn't true in most rich democracies. I mean, most other countries that, you know, you compare the U.S. to have much higher rates of union membership, have much higher rates of, you know, so-called collective bargaining coverage. Uh, But the U.S. is an exception in this respect. And, you know, Amazon and Starbucks, too, did everything they possibly could 
to try and defeat, you know, spent millions of dollars on their anti-union campaigns. So it's questionable whether or not they will uh, voluntarily you know, come to some accommodation with the union. But the thing is, they might not be able to control it. I mean, we don't know yet. You know, it's early days and we don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, I mean, they put so much effort into trying to defeat uh, these union drives at three Buffalo stores, and they weren't successful. They, they won, you know, the company, you know, defeated the union at one the union won a second one, and the third one, the vote was for the union, but there were contested ballots, and so we don't have a final outcome yet. But that was only three stores. Amazon, uh, sorry, Starbucks threw everything at it to try and stop it, and mm-hmm. they weren't successful. And so if it's if it's at the point where it's facing you know, serious union campaigns at 50 stores or 100 stores or, you know, 500 stores, you know, there are almost 8,000, I think, even perhaps over 8,000 in the United States. Uh, it's unlikely that they're going to be able to control that. And the yeah. same goes for Amazon, too. You know, when it's one campaign in Alabama, they can focus all of their incredible you know, wealth and power in defeating that one union drive. But if it ha- starts to, you know, kick out all over, so to speak, they're going to have like, a much more difficult time containing it. Well, John Logan, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. We really appreciate you. Okay, very glad to be on, and thank you for covering it. No, of course. John Logan is a professor and director of labor and um, employment studies at San Francisco State University. We have more show coming up. Um, Pete Buttigieg's husband is being called out because of student loans. Ooh, find out what he said that got him in trouble. Coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, if you missed uh, yesterday's show, we actually talked about President Joe Biden and him opting not to extend the current current federal student loan relief and of course everyone was upset about it including Pete Buttigieg's husband who actually posted on his Instagram story <laughs> a, a major complaint that I mean honestly everyone said like had and he said this no thank you merry christmas next and honestly Justin, I, I have to agree with you, but a lot of people were actually calling him out, saying that it was kind of tone deaf and that, you know, Chastin Buttigieg and Pete Buttigieg are privileged and they have no fight in this. Like, they shouldn't even really be speaking, especially him. Uh, what do you, you know, think? I think that's unfair. Uh, obviously, I don't think he's saying that he's not privileged here. I think he's just saying that this sucks and we all know it, whether you have money or not. We don't know his background. Like, who are we to make assumptions about Chastin and like his experience with student loans and debt. We don't know anything. So just to call him out because he is who he is. And like, does that mean he doesn't deserve to have an opinion in all of this? If anything, we'd call him out for him not saying anything and not doing anything. And then finally he does something. And then it's like, no, you can't do anything. Like it doesn't leave a lot of room for being part of the conversation. Well, here's the thing. I, I think um, I think both of these things can be true. I think what you're saying is really true as well with the honesty, the, the idea of like not thinking that he is this privileged person and all these things. But also, let's be honest, he does kind of exist in a world of privilege, and I understand that he can mean the same things. I think he's actually a teacher by trade, and so he probably understands this on levels that really make a lot of sense. Like, right before, you know, Pete Buttigieg got national attention, he they probably weren't making any type of money. There's real, really no money in politics, but now that, you know, there's some sort of kind of, quote-unquote, celebrity around, you know, this couple and 
who they are. I think people look at that more so and don't really understand being like, oh, he does have a past where maybe he, you know, lived a, a life that wasn't as privileged as he is now, right? And I do think people have to be able to understand that and look at the picture in a fuller way. But guess what? That's just not going to happen. People are going to say what they say on the internet. And I, I also understand why people would call him out in that sense of just being like, Dude, it's a, just a little tone deaf, the but thing. then also, Here's like, the I get it. Waste your time calling out people who are the decision makers around this, who make these decisions, right? Who are working hard or not working hard to change the system, right? Well, Call those people out I, versus calling someone I out who's just, like, saying with you, like, hey, this sucks. But sure, I think, that, I think that's actually what they're doing in the sense of, like, Chastin is married to someone who what ran for president and also was, you know, really speaking out on a, a lot of this, these similar kind of things about getting rid of, um, you know, student loans are, are actually doing something so people don't have to worry about that. And I think people are tired of Democrats promising all these things and falling short. And so when these moments happen, yeah, maybe the energy is going the wrong way. But I understand everyone's frustration because Democrats, especially now in the Joe Biden administration and and what a lot of people are feeling is that there is just a lot of empty promises. And when there's a lot of empty promises, and yes, there's a lot going on. Joe Biden is handling so much, but people still feel like, of course, it's not enough. And so I, I understand why there is frustration. Is it should it be targeted to, to Pete's husband? To Probably Justin? not. Probably really? not. But I, I don't know. Let us know what your thoughts are at LGT Show everywhere. Of course, let's keep this conversation going. Coming up next, we have top of the hour news on the hour in the T-Report. Actually, some good news coming out of Philadelphia for the non-binary community. So get ready for that and don't go anywhere. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're back with another hour. And Shira Lazar, if you have just tuned in, is literally back. I'm so happy about it. I am. I'm back and ready to rock your Uh socks off. I mean, about about time. time. (laughs) It's been a long time. Uh, I I can't believe it. It's been the most sick I've ever been, I think, in my life. I, I took off two weeks of work because of COVID, but I'm feeling much more myself and healthy, so I'm super grateful. So wait, can I ask you, were your parents, like, because you know your mom, I feel like, is always, like, always checking in on you. How did she react to, like, was she, like, making sure you were good all the time? Like, what was, what was that like? My dad was, like, downplaying it because, because he had it too. And he was just like, yeah, it's fine. Like you'll get better tomorrow. Cause he was ahead of me. My mom though, definitely at many points wanted me to go to the hospital. And I'm like, but mom, I'm fine. Like, I don't need to go to the hospital. She's like, are you sure about that? I think you should just go to go or like, you should go to get an x-ray. And I was, and she was like asking my boyfriend to put a stethoscope against my chest. And, and I get it. Like it's yeah, worrisome. It you know, is. we are dealing with COVID, but I was like, I know I can breathe. Listen to me, breathe. Like she was just going to the I, worst. I think it's just funny. The stark differences between your dad and your mom. <laughs> How relatable not that together. is. Yep. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm happy you're feeling better. Coming up this hour. Uh, we're talking about teacher burnout and how it's impacting schools across the nation. And plus, they're actually getting rid of like D's and F's because of the pandemic and how it's been affecting students. Should they be doing mm-hmm. that? We're talking about it. And then, of course, I am talking about Ben Affleck revealing his biggest regrets. And let's just say it has to uh, one of them is Jennifer Gardner. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. Did you, uh, Ryan, did you see uh, the Golden Globe nominations with Snoop Dogg and how he said Ben Affleck? Yeah, I saw that. And I'm just like, 
who asked Snoop to be there, first of all? And he's That's never so going to say funny. no to a uh, check. But anyway, let's get into top of the hour news because we got we got to get into it before yeah. our hour's over. What's trending this hour? Hillary Clinton was on the Today Show revealing what she thinks uh, about Trump running in 2024. And if he wins, it could be the end of democracy. She also used the time to call out the evolution or de-evolution of the Republican Party. And sadly, the Republican Party has gone along with him. And for the life of me, People who I knew that I served with, who fall in line on the outrageous accusations they make, whether it's against Dr. Tony Fauci or pretending that what happened on January 6th wasn't an insurrection. Honestly, they have hung their spines up on the wall as they walk into their offices. They have no conscience, they have no spine. And we are seeing the results of a party that has been taken over by a demagogue. Okay, that was Hillary Clinton on the Today Show. And finally, uh, because we did tease this, I just want to throw this story in. One of the largest school districts in the nation has added a non-binary option on school forms. Uh, That's right. Philadelphia is doing this. It's officially available for students as of today, December. Oh, that was yesterday, December 13th. So Currently, it can be done. Students will now be able to identify as non-binary in school portals, fill out a Google form to inform their school about any changes to their name. They're going to have the option of updating their gender and or name in Google only. Um, So this is just really uh, important and great. Uh, And students will be allowed to submit these changes without providing legal documentation and without parental approval. So good on Philadelphia for making this change. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Yeah, so Ben Affleck was on Howard Stern and revealed the regrets he has. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So he has looked back at the end of his relationship with Jennifer Gardner in a candid interview with Howard Stern. Basically, the demise of their 13-year marriage came up after the radio host wondered after seeing how much tabloid attention his relationship with J-Lo earned him the first time around, whether Affleck had any concerns about dating her again, especially now that he's a father this time. Um, He said, it crossed my mind for sure my responsibility to my children is anything that is pain wait a second no my it's the highest responsibility i have my bad i don't want to do anything that is painful or destructive to them if i can help it the truth was we took our time and we made the decision we grew apart we had a marriage that didn't work this happens it's somebody i love and respect but to whom um i shouldn't be married anymore we tried we tried we tried because we had kids both of us felt like we don't want this to be the model Mm. that our kids see of marriage he also revealed that he probably would have kept drinking if he stayed married to her and i'm just like maybe there's just some things you shouldn't say because i was a little mean (laughs) i mean it's real if you're not happy you're gonna continue to hurt yourself yeah Oh, my but God. Appreciate his honesty. Howard Stern always gets those interviews. Well, that is your T-Report. You can check out more of that story on WeAreChannelQ.com. And, of course, we got more show coming up. Um, yep. What's the link between tornadoes and climate change? Here's favorite conversation. Not, you know, the tornadoes, not climate change, of course, obviously. <laughs> and why the answer is more complicated than you think. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So are the latest deadly tornadoes connected to climate change? Uh, Well, some scientists are sharing why it's hard to make the connection. Joining us is Harold Brooks, senior research scientist at NOAA's National Severe Storms Laboratory. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. It's good to be here. Okay, so talk to us about this, because I think it's really interesting that we're seeing these conversations of connections to climate change, to these tornadoes. Talk to us about the relevance of that and why it's a part of this conversation right now. Well, well, sure. And I think one of the important things to remember is there are some aspects of weather, such as high temperatures and heavy rain, that are really directly connected. It's easy to make the connection. With tornadoes, it's a lot harder to make that, that kind of connection. Because we need a whole bunch of things to happen at the same time to get a tornado. Uh, and one of them is is pretty clearly directed to, to, to climate change. And that's essentially the amount of energy available in the atmosphere to make a storm and make the air go up inside of a storm. Um, but that's not really what the we, – that's sort of we need to have that to have a storm at all. But to get a tornado, we need to have the winds and the environment of the storm uh, increase a lot from the ground up to, say, 30,000 feet. And that term may actually, on average, go down as the planet warms. Uh, it, it, there's, it, there's no real strong evidence that it will go up. So hmm. that controls the intensity of the tornadoes and things like that. So that's so, the, one of the complicating factors is we have favorable things and unfavorable things happening. Yeah, it seems like that. So are there, in fact, more deadly storms and tornadoes happening, or does it just feel like that? Like, what, what is actually going on when you look it, at the it really data? Does, it's, it's, it's really a matter that it just feels like it. Uh, if we look at uh, F1 and greater tornadoes, and that sort of eliminates the F0s that are the weakest things, and F1s where you start to see damage to ordinary houses, uh, that if we look at that, that number has averaged about 500 a year since the mid-1950s. Uh, and there's a very, very slight downward trend in it, but it's not statistically significant. Um, and we tend to notice these big events that happen, but it's been a few years since we've had a major tornado event in the U.S. Well, and um, I'm from, I'm from the South, and like I, I feel like we, I mean, for me in Nashville, I feel like we would get tornadoes anywhere, but typically mm-hmm. tornadoes are meant to be in like the springtime, and so it feels mm-hmm. like if they're just showing up kind of in winter months, that's like strange. It, it seems like that's a, there's a bigger picture there, right? We, well, yeah, and and we, what we need to be really clear about is that the um, most of the tornadoes in the in the plains of the United States happen in the springtime. So the, the sort of the Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, what people think of as Tornado Alley, one of the major things about that region is this really strong annual cycle. In the southeast U.S., so, you know, Memphis uh, down through Alabama, Mississippi, uh, Louisiana, that annual cycle just is not nearly as strong. You tend to get tornadoes over a much greater period of, of, of the year 
Um, and so, but what we have seen is that when we are warmer than normal in the wintertime, we tend to get, we tend to get more tornadoes than normal. Now that's the time of year when there's the fewest tornadoes, but we get more than normal in the winter months. And that's basically because that, that one of those ingredients, that, that change of the wind with height is always around in the, in the wintertime. And our trouble, if we want to, if we, if, or the thing we're missing for tornadoes is usually the warm moisture at low levels. Well, this last week on Friday, Memphis set a, a all-time December record temperature, uh, so mm-hmm. it was really warm. And uh, the we haven't had a cold front all year make it down to the Gulf of Mexico uh, in the U.S., which is what starts to cool the water off. And so that we're the southeastern United States is has just has a lot of warm moisture sitting out over it, and when we get that change of the wind with height and we get something to start a storm tornadoes are what we should expect to have happen all right so then it is connected to climate change <laughs> it's connected in that way it's during the season but but yeah it's one of those yeah some of the timing issues we think is, have, have, has changed a little bit there has been an, in, an increase uh, over the last 40 years uh, in the number of tornadoes in in the mid-south region so jackson uh mississippi memphis Paducah, that kind of region. But it's about a 10% increase over 40 years. So it's, you know, if you lived there, uh, what used to be a a once a decade event is now a once every nine year event. Uh, And so it's not that big of a change. And 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 to be honest, the problem is connecting it to global warming is really hard. There's a, a lot of chains or a lot of links in the chain we need to make. And some of those links just don't exist. That doesn't mean it's not related to global warming. It's just that we we don't have all the links uh, that would make a scientist happy to say, yes, this is how the connection works. Well, thank you so much, Harold, for joining us. We really appreciate you for laying that all out. Yeah. All right. Well, that was you, you, you guys have a good day. <laughs> you too. Harold Me Brooks. You too. Stay safe. CN Research Scientist at NOAA's National Severe Storms Laboratory. All right. So here's the thing. We got more show coming up. And I think this is really interesting. California school districts are ditching D and F grades. Find out the reason why. And are they just being a little dramatic? That's coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Some of California's largest school districts are trying an unconventional tactic to help students re-engage in school after distance learning and boost um, their chances of acceptance into state public schools um, and colleges by dropping D and F grades. So apparently they're feeling like kids are really kind of still going through the ringer of jumping back in after the pandemic and trying to figure out, okay, what can we do to like make their experience a little bit better? And then also, you know, take things away, I guess, D's and F's. But for me, this feels weird. Don't you think? It is an interesting tactic. If you think like of a C being like the new D and F, but like colleges won't really know that. So you're going to get people being able to get into colleges, but then there's going to be like the tough, reality and harsh reality when they're in college. And then, you know, the uh, system is seeing like all these changes in grades and students that they thought were better, not being better or being able to handle things. So I I think this is a bandaid on a a complex issue and and something we need to figure out because time is continuing, COVID's continuing, and it's not getting better in terms of the education system. It's actually getting worse. Yeah. And actually, I I think that 
because I think grades and all honesty and, and schooling, depending on what you're doing and the career that you want to have, sometimes all of that doesn't really matter. And I think it just uh, totally. uh, it, it just creates a system where it doesn't allow kids to take their time to actually learn. It, it, uh, it's, it more so builds pressure of them trying to figure out, okay, how do I be better than the next person next to me? I'm, I have anxiety because maybe I'm not the best test taker. Instead of, you know, uh, teachers pointing out maybe there could be a learning disability, you know, people are getting skipped over and not thought about and just kind of thrown to the wayside because they're not getting certain levels of, 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 of letters. And so I think for me, I, I enjoy that they're doing this, but then I also think about, yeah, this could possibly hurt um, in ways. But then also, why not just kind of get rid of the whole grading scale anyway? Like, what's well, yeah, the, the point is of if it? They did that. What's really the point well, of it? I, I agree. I, I mean, like, we are learning more and more about how each of us learn differently and how the grade system is BS, right? Like, it's more about immersive learning and actually learning versus just, you know, checking off a few boxes and being good at taking tests, Right. And so, you know, this is definitely a step forward in some ways, but like the whole system really needs to change to change that. If it's just in California, which we all know, it's like California's its own bubble. Yeah, they're trying like, to. I don't know how much like state it's gonna. Colleges. It's yeah. So maybe this is an, an interesting trend, but it's more being done so that the people can get into college. It's not necessarily, um, you know, helping these students figure out like. How can we really make education better? But here's the uh, thing: everyone should. Gap. But everyone should be able to go to college, regardless of like whatever they're doing. I feel like high school doesn't even really prepare you for college anyway. And so when you think about that, like I went, I remember being in high school and like I got great, I got great grades. But when I got to college, there were a lot of things that I felt so unprepared for that I felt like, wow, why aren't we being taught like these? pivotal moments are these important things when it comes to adulting and our process of like making you know making ourselves better citizens in our adulting and i think oftentimes the school schooling and education forgets all about that and they only have they they have you taking like classes that don't even really matter in in my in my pov and so i think sometimes it, it 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 there really does need to be a restructuring when it comes to just the whole education system together because I, there's some things that are important about it and there's some things, in my opinion, that are just not and they're dropping the ball. Well, what I'm more worried about is, one, yeah, this teacher shortage, the burnout happening. I'm worried about the emotional social learning yeah. that is being delayed for a lot of these uh, young people and the impact of that, not just on their schooling and college, but like their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that's something that a lot of people aren't really talking about. And teachers everywhere are one, they're still risking their lives because guess what? We're still in a pandemic. And yeah, we were vaccinated and we and people are, you know, getting vaccinated, but there's all these masks thing and parents are now getting physical. Like, please don't forget about that. Fic- parents have gotten into teachers' faces, are threatened to, you know, get, you know, get them fired from their jobs and just crazy creating all type of mayhem. And so teachers are not just only worried about your students are only going to school to teach the kids. They're dealing with so much other stuff that it just feels like I don't I don't blame a teacher for one experiencing burnout and then also like thinking, well, maybe I kind of don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And, and a lot of these parents are getting mad, not just about like these mandates. But they're getting mad because a lot of them, you know, it's single parents or uh, parents that aren't around. Like if, if your school cancels last minute, like what are you going to do? You don't have the ability to 
hang out with your kid. Well, you right? know, and this is leaving a lot of people in a bad situation. Well, you know what solves that, though, is parents getting making sure their kids are getting vaccinated because the only reason why schools are closing down. And no, we have it's those because gaps. of also the burnout. It's but the yeah, burnout I mean, yeah it's the burnout. But it's also it's because teachers are facing the burnout is triggered because people teachers are facing all of this drama with the pandemic and the mask mandates and parents not wanting to get their kids vaccinated because they're feeling unsafe in their environments and then they can't afford classroom supplies and they can't afford all these different things. It's just like it is a, a snowball effect. All of these things <laughs> are a puzzle piece to the bigger p- picture. And so there, there's yeah. all these things that can make people's lives a lot easier. But it, it uh, parents have a responsibility here as well. They really do. I, I think parents do. And then, like, I think our country does, because I think this just shows how much we've devalued education and we're seeing the fallout of that right we, we're seeing it all fall apart before our eyes when we don't create a system that supports everyone mm-hmm. having access to education and respecting education and educators you're so right and um i i would honestly i would love to keep talking to you about this even more but i i think everyone should sound off in our social at lgt show let us know what you think especially if you're a teacher out there maybe we can get our favorites on the the mazas on to talk about this from their perspective because i think it's really important to really touch on that but coming up next why caitlin jenner was denied service at this swanky beverly hills hotel and do i agree with them oh my god (laughs) that's coming up next Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Oh no, Caitlyn Jenner's mad at the Beverly Hills Hotel. Oh God. Um, she is slamming the hotel, calling them disgusting after they refused to serve her for not complying with their dress code. So she was wearing um, ripped dream, uh, jeans when she showed up to the hotel's restaurant polo lounge. And uh, she actually put this on her Insta story at Bev Hills Hotel. F your horrible service for not letting me have lunch with this tiny rip in my jeans. Shame on you. Disgusting. She says, I haven't been a patron for decades. No longer. Girl, so now you know how to protest for things when it fits your narrative, huh? (laughs) Wow. Drag. So here's the thing, like as much as I don't like Caitlyn Jenner, I think this whole dress code thing, including in Los Angeles, is just so, so ridiculous sometimes because we know how selective it is. Like, and probably in the end, it was someone who didn't like her, right? Because literally, it was a jean with a rip. Like, that's pretty much all clothes right now. No, I'm not. Here's the thing. If, I understand dress codes. I understand going somewhere, and if they have a certain level of dress code, if you're going somewhere, you got to match that. My thing is, Caitlyn Jenner feel, has some arrogance about her that she feels like she doesn't have to um, She doesn't have to follow any rules. She feels like she's outside of the um, kind of anything happening to her. I mean, we've seen it in her politics. We've seen it in just her personal life. And honestly, this is another example of her just kind of thinking that she's above the rules in any type of way. And the fact that she spends money there, probably goes there all the time, or, you know, loves to just hang hang out and luxuriate at the Beverly Hills Hotel. She doesn't have to, you know, do any rules. But guess what you do, sis? It's first world problems. Uh, You know, the rules say they encourage dressing a certain way. But we know it's like lunch at the Beverly Hills Hotel. I've been to the Beverly Hills Hotel, not like a few times. I never really overly thought about what I was wearing. And in Los Angeles... Yeah, I appreciate that. We we all know that I don't always look cute yeah. and I still go into places because it is L.A. We're like in the same room. One person's wearing a dress and one person is wearing flip flops. I mean, I don't 
know. I I'm not going to take. I'm not going to be the person that takes up for Caitlyn Jenner here because I I don't feel. I'm bad taking for her. up for all the people no. who wear who wear clothes and, I, and don't overthink what they're wearing. No, because guess what? It's not that. I don't think it's about overthinking what you're wearing. It's just about like you know where you're going when you're going to a certain place, right? And yes, maybe dress codes are elitist and it's all kind of in this system of capitalism, blah 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 blah. But if you're going somewhere and those are the rules, guess what? You have to do it. You are just like Sally Sue and everybody else. She would have been upset if one of the uh, the workers there probably didn't look clean and cut or wearing their uniform in a proper way. She would have probably had something to say for that. So my thing is they're just doing the same thing with her because guess what? You can't just walk into a business and say, oh, I'm just going to disregard the rules. That's not how it works, sweetie. It's just not. Yes. The the other side to it, so I, I you know, while I, I don't necessarily agree with them turning her away because of this, like maybe there were other reasons, it's the fact that she puts them on blast, you know, feels like, oh, I have enough power, enough, uh, you know, privilege, obviously, and following that it will make a difference where that and then it just seems like you're you're just complaining for no reason. It's like, you know, like my small little violin. Here's my small little violin playing for you. Because I feel so bad for you. That's how I feel. I just, for me, Caitlyn Jenner is just never going to get my sympathy. But let us know what your thoughts are at LGT Show. Girl, it's just ripped jeans. Get over it. Go. I know she probably went somewhere else fancy for lunch or whatever. Anyway, I don't care. We have top of the hour news coming up. Carl Nassib. Is it Nassib? Yes. Nassib. Oh, I don't know who that is. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> this person created something special. Um, Carl, the NFL player, the first oh, gay yes. NFL player. Uh, that is hilarious. <laughs> you, I mean, y'all know I don't listen to sports or watch it, right? You, is that what you do, listen to the sports? Either way, Carl has uh, created something special for LGBTQ plus youth. Find out what coming up next. <laughs> Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. It's just me loving some Lil Nas X. That's what I want. That's what just was playing on Channel Q here because we give all the good vibes, right? Don't you agree? Yeah, feeling it. You know, <laughs> I'm just dancing out here. Uh, stay at home orders for me. You know, <laughs> You're party. Just dancing in your seat as we're going. <laughs> Yeah, pretty oh much. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, well, we have a ton more show coming up. If you thought we were done, guess what? We are not. Coming up, how our Supreme Court judge is using gay rights to prove that vaccine mandates are illegal. Plus, um, Billie Eilish is revealing more about a pastime of hers that is honestly ruining her life and mine. <laughs> it's time for the- <laughs> No, seriously, I just don't know. I feel like celebrities should really just stop talking at this point. I'm really over it. Um, But let's get into... Uh, What's Trending This Hour? What's going on, Sheer? Well, this is a little entertainment What's Trending This Hour. Rapper Nicki Minaj has called on her fans to vote for San Antonio District 2 City Council member Jalen McKee Rodriguez after he gave her a birthday shout-out at a recent council meeting. Uh, He shared that video of his birthday message on Twitter last Friday. She saw it, and now they're fans of each other. You know, Uh, he's been on the show. Really? Yes, girl. I think I remember this now. Yes. We should totally get him back or we should replay that. Yes, he that said he's really such cool. a great person. And so that was, I saw when she posted that and I thought that was so hilarious. I was like, oh my God, we know him. Yeah, we're transitors, <laughs> you know. Uh, McKee Rodriguez became the first out gay black man to be elected in Texas earlier this year. And he's focused on issues such as LGBTQ plus suicide prevention, in, uh, LGBTQ inclusive housing and COVID-19 vaccination. So congrats to him on really getting a lot of news 
um, and doing good stuff. It's really cool. Now, moving on to another superstar LGBTQ athlete, Las Vegas Raiders defensive end Carl Nassib, who became the first openly gay active NFL player in June, helped design custom rainbow cleats to raise awareness and money for the LGBTQ community. Uh, he did this in participation with the NFL's My Cause, My Cleats fundraiser, creating these rainbow cleats this season to spotlight the LGBTQ youth suicide prevention and crisis intervention organization, The Trevor Project, which he has been raising money for. And definitely, it's his go-to organization, uh, and they do great work. And as part of the campaign, players can custom their de uh, design their own cleats to raise awareness for the nonprofit of their choice, and then they auction off the cleats to raise money for the groups. So good on him. This is great. Are, yeah, it's continuing to do good stuff. Yeah. It's not just about coming out. It's actually about, you know, supporting organizations that matter. And finally, uh, President Biden addressed the families of the victims of the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting, marking the tragedy's nine-year anniversary. He said, as a nation, we owe these families more than prayers. We owe them action. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? So Billy is revealing something that I think we all probably could have lived without. It's time for your tea report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So um, Billy Eilish says, uh, "Porn destroyed my brain." That is a quote after she began. Wait, work. say that again. She say that again. She said, "Porn <laughs> destroyed my brain." Wow. That is what she's saying it did to her brain after she began watching graphic online movies while she was still in elementary school um this is another howard stern interview so howard is really putting in the work over there i guess um she said this as a woman i think porn is a disgrace i used to watch a lot of porn to be honest i started watching porn when i was like 11 take a shot anytime i say porn just putting that out there mm. the ocean eyes you know um singer continued i think it really destroyed my brain and i feel incredibly devastated that i was exposed to so much porn wow. um okay um billy also admitted that she began watching more and more graphic types of porn, which warped her ideas about sex and relationships. Uh, it got to a point where I couldn't watch anything un uh, else unless it was violent. I don't think it was attractive. I didn't think it was attractive. Oh, wow. She also slammed the porn industry for creating unrealistic expectations of women's bodies, saying uh, the way that vaginas look in porn is effing crazy. No vaginas look like that. Women's bodies don't look like that. We don't come like that. Um, oh. <laughs> I appreciate this uh, this conversation because a lot of times you hear, unfortunately, more like men talking about this. Like, I don't hear a lot of women talking about this. I do hear about women talking about, obviously, how, you know, real sex and everything real isn't like porn and like how we shouldn't be looking at that yes. as an example. But like for someone like her at her age with such influence to be talking this openly and vulnerably is like is a pretty big deal. Yeah. I think something <laughs> here's the thing I think we're seeing a, a long line of from the, the the Smith family to Billie Eilish to other celebrities who are being more and more vulnerable great that's cool um, I really appreciate that but then also it gets to a point where like where's the line like what some things I feel like everyone don't really need to know about you and also I think there's a fine line of when you're talking about sex work in pornography that I think this is like valid and what she's talking about is valid but then there are also people who enjoy doing sex work and, and being 
um, adult entertainers, and we can't take that away from them or continue oh, totally. to like downplay it and, and, and continue the stigma and the shame around it because I don't think that's healthy. But I do agree that, you know, some porn has created these unrealistic unrealistic expectations of these bodies and that's just that but let us know what your thoughts are at LGT show everywhere of course that's your team report and uh, top of the hour news we got more coming up every hour let's go there with Shira and Ryan channel Q okay so let's talk about this because Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch used uh, basically is using the court's decision in favor of an anti-gay baker to support his belief in religious exemptions to vaccine mandates in the case of Dr. A. V versus uh hoku yesterday the court mm-hmm. <laughs> upheld new york state's mandate that all healthcare workers be vaccinated against covid-19 regardless of religious beliefs now if you don't remember this you know it just feels like he's quoting this thing about gay rights which is like actual like it, it feels like you're it's it's one thing that he's trying to say that it's a choice not realizing that queer people are just queer people and like they were born this way and this is just a part of their identity from a vaccine mandate is like, yeah, you a person should be choosing to to get the well, vaccine for the safety of others. Like these are two different things. It's like apples and oranges. I don't really understand. One's a human this. rights issue and one's a public health issue. Yeah, it's just like what uh, we have someone sitting on the Supreme Court justice who's going to be there until forever because it's like until he dies and and so and he has this mind frame already what's next i think that's my big worry we're seeing roe versus wade we're seeing vaccine mandates i just what else are we going to see unfortunately of what trump kind of put and set in motion what are we going to see in when it comes to rights humanity human rights what are we going to see be peeled yeah back? The, the, the dangerous thing in all of this is this nitpicking these laws and saying, well, this one got passed because of this. So because of this, even though they're totally two different things, but they're, you know, they're all using the excuse about religion for for it, that those things should be passed and not just on a federal level, but this idea of at the state level, you know, those lawmakers taking over is really dangerous. And we, we saw it with Governor Gavin Newsom clapping back at the abortion law in Texas saying, okay, well, like, if you're going to do that, we're going to say we're going to take away um, certain uh, rights around guns. And so like, if you think you can do that at the state level, we can do whatever we want at the state level. And now we're getting into like point system, right? And I think that playing around with our rights and laws in this point system type way is just a recipe for disaster. And we're going to continue to see us go up against religious beliefs and religion as it relates to all these things, unfortunately. Yeah, like, I don't even know when that's going to end until someone at the Supreme Court level does something about it. We know where the Supreme Court is right now. Well, it's a misrepresentation of what the Constitution is about and, and the the keeping church and state separate. And unfortunately, Republicans, especially sitting on the Supreme Court, they are supposed to be ruling for all of Americans. And, um, and, and um, it's unfortunate that we're starting to see people's biases based on what their beliefs are informing their decisions, especially when you're of the highest court of yeah. the land. That is a huge problem for me. And it's just like that that's just going to really 
be the entrance to a slippery slope. But I don't know how we stop this. I don't know what's next. And I think for me, that's just fearing. And I know um, we we actually talked yesterday about the whole Gavin Newsom thing and the, the points in some there of uh, California kind of doing the same similar uh, legislation when it comes to the Texas abortion law against you know and doing that for gun control. And and for me, I I support something like that because it's it's kind of giving conservatives a taste of their own medicine. But I do worry about well, what is going to be next even then because that is on a state level and that there, there could be a slippery slope there as well it's just like this oppression olympics that's just not going to go anywhere yeah and it's this idea listen if if you want to be religious do you whatever happens behind, behind your closed doors like hopefully it doesn't hurt other people like do what you feel feels good for you. The minute it goes beyond your picket fence and influences my life and my ability to choose and protect myself and you know my friends and family and the public, then you're actually infringing on rights, right? Then you're using um, your own personal beliefs to infringe on other people's rights. And yeah. I feel like we need to decide once and for all that that is not the right thing to do. And it's not going to create a democratic, safe society. You're talking about freedom, like the mm-hmm. feeling of feeling free and and having um, the choice to protect yourself and live the life you want to live. I totally agree. And I want everyone listening to this to sound off as well. Is this too much or is this just creating a slippery slope? Let us know at LGT Show Everywhere. And of course... Uh, we got more show coming up next because we are switching gears. Shara, is it rude to send a cocktail back? Oh, I have an opinion about that. <laughs> oh, oh, my God, I do too. That is coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Is it rude to send back a cocktail, Shira? What do you think? Like, eat, And here's the thing. You got to think about it from this. It's not just sending a cocktail back from a, a person who sent it to you and got you a drink. It's also like sending a cocktail back if you didn't like it from the bartender either making yeah, it wrong. Yeah, I think that's All more so. Yeah, so here, I think there's like some rules to this. I think overall, if if you get a drink or, you know, sometimes they propose a drink and you don't like it, I, I do think you should send it back, including with these overpriced drinks these days that are like the price of a meal. <laughs> like, I better be getting a drink I like. Like, I'm True. not talking about, you know, a stiff drink or just like a vodka Diet Coke, the skinny B word that I order. I'm talking about, you know, like you order a Manhattan, an old fashioned a margarita. Like, there's a good way to make those and not a good way. And like, like sometimes you just got to tweak it. Right. Yeah. And someone might not know, like personally, I hate overly sugary drinks. Like, and there's a way you can make those things where you can like have a bit of that alcohol taste and then a bit of the taste of the other stuff. So here's the thing. As someone who used to work in the food service industry, um, um, behind the bar and of course serving, I, I don't, I didn't have any issues with anyone ever sending anything back. Right. It's all about how you ask, all about how you present sending it back. If you're rude, if you're just awful and you're being mean, that's what's going to get, you know, somebody to like, you know, you know, do something weird to your food. I've always believed this. Like, I've never done this, but even other servers and how they react to things. I'm like, oh, my God, what if they go back there and spit in my drink or go back there and like, you know, put rub my, um, you know, burger buns on the ground and then put it back on there and send it back. You know, you just never know. But for me, it's like. If I was to uh, if I was to get a drink from the bar, it's kind of crazy. Even though I would have no problem with someone doing that to me, like sending it back to me if I made the drink. I would 
I'm always nervous about sending stuff back regardless. Like, I'd rather just kind of like be like, all right, I tried this. I didn't really enjoy it. Cool, whatever. It's alcohol. I'm still going to kind of drink it and just yeah. like down it. Because alcohol, let's be honest, alcohol is gross anyway. It's just all about the drink and the cocktail mixes that's in it. And I like a st- sweet drink. Um, but I, yeah, sometimes I get nervous about sending stuff back regardless. I know. You, you got to trust in the process. If that person is and be nice about it, like don't be an a-hole about it. You know, if a drink's not working for you, I usually just say, hey, I'm so sorry to bother you. Um, you know, I I have this like specific taste around these things. It's not that this is a bad drink or that you did a bad job, but is there yeah. any way you can tweak it? Like maybe not throw the whole drink out or sometimes it is like I've had a drink that has been disgusting. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I can't drink this. <laughs> like, I, I'm like, I don't. And I, and I feel like people get it, including when it's an overpriced drink. Yeah. You can better get in your money's worth. What's overpriced for you? Like $16? Yeah, I think like 15 plus. Yeah. Like, or even like, even when it's like, well, yeah, I think 15 plus. Unfortunately, in Los Angeles, people might be listening to this being like, what the... F, like- I mean, it happens. Inflation's impacting everything. But let's talk about um, if if you get like a you're sitting at the bar, very yeah. cute, like you're like you know a dainty person, and someone's the bartender walks up to you and being like the the person at the end of the bar sent you over this drink. What do you say if you don't want it? Um. All right. So if I really don't drink those drinks, like, and I I can't imagine like a lot of times I might just be like, thank you so much, and take it. I'm a receiver. You know, I like my gifts. I'm not one of those people that turns something away mm-hmm. only if it feels like, OK, what does this mean? If you give me this drink, does that mean I need to talk to you? Does that mean I owe you something like that's what I'm more worried about? Yeah, my thing is I'm not going to if I if I look down at the bar and I see that person that the bartender says, send me a drink is not my type. I, I, I'm going to, um, I'm going to give like a a nice little nod and then I'm going to still take that damn drink because that it's not my problem that you wanted to spend your money on me. That don't mean that I'm obligated to give you nothing or like talk to you. I'm sorry. I just, the drink was looked good and I'm going to still take it because I don't want to buy it. But, But, um, and and by the way, I'm into that, but I also don't like wasting anything. So I will take that drink too. But I, it it really kind of depends if I'm feeling it, I will take it. If I'm not, I would be like, no, I'm okay. I'm not really into it, but I'll still like look down and be like, thanks and give like a little peace sign. Exactly. Just be gracious and be nice, courteous. That's all. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, Well, I guess that let us know your thoughts. Um, Hit us up at LGT show. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan channel Q. It is time for my favorite part of the show. The yes queen. Yes. Feeling it. We need some inspiration. We do, right? And what's our good feel-good story today, Shira? Okay. Well, Candace Parker is excited to be a mom of two. The WNBA star announced that she and her partner, who basically are, are very cute, let me tell you. They are a good-looking couple. I know, Anya right? Petra Kova. They're expecting a baby, and she shared a carousel of photos on Instagram and revealed that she and Petra Kova, who is pregnant, are married also. Um, the Chicago Sky captain, you know, who she's part of the WNBA, helped lead her hometown team to their first ever WNBA championship last season. And she's already a mom to her 12-year-old daughter, Layla. And so congrats to the moms on this beautiful announcement. Yeah, I saw some people online when this announcement came out. They were like, wait, 
did we know that Candace was queer? We had no clue. And so there were some people who knew, some others who already did, I guess just with context clues and just kind of watching uh, sports. But this is absolutely wonderful. And the family looks gorgeous. And they are the gorgeous, wedding yeah. picture looks gorgeous with the little sparklers. Like, ah, I love it. It's so good. Exactly. So they get a big yes, queen of the day. Yes, queen. And that does it for our show today. It's been it's so good to be back, Ryan. I know finally you're here. Well, not here, but you're you'll be back in studio soon, but I'm happy you're back on the show. Me too. Me too. Thanks for welcoming me with open arms. Well, kind of. <laughs> We're like separated just because of the COVID. <laughs> Never ending COVID. Um, Again, you can listen to our uh, show as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available. Search Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And on tomorrow's show, what are we getting into? Okay, so we're talking about the gift of being single during the holidays. So honestly, this one might be for me, not for you, but for me. Finally. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. We want to hear what you're going through, Ryan, because you don't share it enough. Well, yes, Uh, I mean, true. (laughs) So, yes, do not forget we have have shows all week. Shira will be back for sure. And, of course, coming up, we have Dr. Chris on Loveline, and he's talking all about coping with breakups during the holiday. Oh, my gosh. So much relationship stuff coming up. Well, that is it for us. We are sending you love and light. And, honey, remember to slay. Bye, y'all. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.